Hey, what's up? We're in episode two. How you feeling? Hey, Tim. I'm feeling pretty good. I've broken and all. Yeah, guys, if you have not heard, if you're coming across episode two and you haven't heard episode one, please go back. I'm Timothy Maurice, a behavioral psychology author, and I get a chance to sit down and explore the extraordinary mind, soul, and spirit of this amazing artist. For those who are only here in episode two, tell us the meaning Tell us your artist name and the meaning of the name again. Right. So I go by the name Tavon, and it's an acronym for the artist with various names. Got it. Mm. Do you have more than one name? Yes. The first one was Gugu, and that was in alignment with my first project. The second one was Ru, and that was in alignment with my second project. <laughs> yeah. So this episode is... Why are you relevant? You're relevant. I got, let me just say, before we go into the deep stuff. Right. You're relevant because you are woman. You are African. You are divinely created. You are stunning. Right? But we're going to go into some deeper reasons mm. why you're relevant beyond what I just shared. So, are you ready? Oof. Yes. <laughs> Colonization. <laughs> <laughs> What's your experience of it? <laughs> right. That's a deep question. Um, even currently, you know, I'm, I see our present to be affected by our past and I see our future to be affected by the present. So even the fact that as an African woman, I can speak English the way that I do. That's my experience of colonization. <laughs> um, but are you grateful for that part of it? Um, wait, wait, before, before, because this is this is a deep question. I'm gonna, yes, I'm going to push you a little bit, right? Because language is a tool, right? Right, it's a tool, mm. and you have many tools. You have your mother tongue. You have English. These are just different tools. Mm. So this is a tool that can help you connect with a child who speaks English, sitting in the middle of some sort of East African country who needs hope, who doesn't speak Zulu. Mm. Are you grateful for that too? That's an interesting question because I've never thought of it in the sense of, am I grateful for being able to speak English? <laughs> um, but in the sense of it being a tool, I definitely understand it. Because I even understand the reasoning behind, you know, our parents as African kids, you know, sending us to, you know, uh, English schools. So I understand it. Why? Got it. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you were going to unpack your experience. You think, are you saying that out of all the layers of your experience, mm -hmm. English is the more dominant part of your experience was colonization? Any other layers? Oh my gosh. Yes, of course. In the sense of identity, in the sense of understanding my place in the world, in the sense of Honestly, every single aspect prior to colonization, African people lived their own way. Um, they had their own worldviews and directed their lives and built their communities in the way that they saw fit. Um, and colonization did affect that and change that. Um, so I think in every aspect of my life, I have or I am experiencing the after effects or the residue of it. The notion of colonizing, seeking to explore 
to gain access to other regions of the world, to be able to dominate, to be able to spread wealth amongst your people and so forth. Mm. That instinct, forget about the Western versus African colonization, mm -hmm. that instinct kind of sits in us, right? And this is a point of tension, which I want to get to. Mm -hmm. Your power, I feel like, from engaging you, comes from your depth of exploration into your own identity, your own ancestral, your bloodline. And if it wasn't for this kind of extreme kind of pressure that we faced as a people, would people be able to experience your power like they do? Maybe you'd be more docile. I don't know. But what is the relationship you have with the tension you face because of colonization that have given you so much power and authority and strength as a woman? That's a good question. <laughs> um, that's a challenging question. Hmm. I understand it, though. Um, I personally, though, don't think that to have a positive outcome, for instance, you need a challenge. Mm. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, I don't think the outcome of success needs to be preceded by pain or strife. So I think that's where those two perspectives, you know, um, come in. So I think had I had not experienced the tensions, you know, that you mentioned, I think I'd be happier. I think I'd have less um, challenges in the sense of just identity. I'm not saying that I wouldn't be as strong or as forthcoming mm. because I've always been adventurous and um, outgoing, even as a child, <laughs> prior to really being aware of anything major in the world. So I think just for me specifically, my personality is one of being um, outgoing, of um, having that depth and so on. Um, so what I can say in finality in that way, um, I don't, personally, I don't think that strife or pain needs to precede uh, success or going further and further and further and um, reaching the mountaintop in a sense. Got it. Yeah. Um, Let's go a little bit further. Has anything you've ever experienced. I had this conversation the other day with a friend of mine about right. giving birth. She said it's the most painful thing she's ever experienced, but it brought her the greatest joy. I think on some levels I do agree that there may be some things, I'm not sure what, mm. you can experience extreme happiness before stress and pain. But I was wondering if you had any that you'd like to share that you've experienced that didn't wasn't preceded by pain. Okay. Um, it's a memory I have, actually, of my grandmother. Um, I grew up with her a lot. Uh, she, she raised me mostly because um, there, there was a certain time in my life when my mom was working elsewhere um, and wasn't within the same, you know, the vicinity. So I remember my grand, we were in the dining room, and um, I was actually 12 I wasn't even five or anything like that. And um, we were just sitting because sometimes we just sit and just enjoy each other's company um, as a family. And I remember just sitting on her lap <laughs> as a 12-year-old because um, she was t 
quite tiny. I did. I forgot to mention that she was quite tiny. So um, here I am sitting on her lap. And then I put, I put my head on her chest and I could hear her heartbeat. And um, my little sister was actually sitting next to my grand. And I remember putting my head, uh, my ear on her chest as well. And I was contrasting the <laughs> the, the heartbeats, the two heartbeats of the, the, the older and the younger. And I remember just speaking to the rest of the family that were just sitting around. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So my sister's heart is like, like so quick. And then when it comes to my grand's heart, it's like, you know, I was just like making out that sound. And then everyone started laughing. Um, and I remember even in that instance, like playing my, my grand's arms, you know, soft and <laughs> flabby. And she would just allow me to do that. And I remember even touching her on her face, um, exploring, you know, her wrinkles and all that and she would just allow me to just show her that affection and vice versa so for me that's a beautiful moment of love um it's a beautiful moment of joy for me and in that instant they I hadn't you know I hadn't felt like anything intense enough had happened for me to be in a space of being like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful, for instance, like I've worked so hard for this moment or whatever. It was just a beautiful moment of love where everything was given to me abundantly without having to prove myself in any way. And even in that instance, I was still able to enjoy it. Maybe this is what makes you unique as an artist, what makes you relevant, is your ability to experience abundance without the need for strife and stress and maybe maybe this is like the perfect episode it's like it's insight into how you believe in the extraordinary power of the universe your ancestry and so forth which brings me to the point about africa tell us a little bit about your perspective or do you have perspective that you think is uniquely african i think my perspective concerning Africa or one that is uniquely African um, basically has to do with Ubuntu and I'm kind of corny <laughs> but I think it's not only something that I see and experience in my community as a Zulu person but I think it actually traverses you know the whole continent um, and I got to realize this thread you know, um, not only in the sense of the experiences that I've had with various people from across the continent, but also in the sense of the studies that I've, you know, had like African studies where I studied um, philosophies from across the continent. Because I feel like sometimes people think that, okay, Africa, Ubuntu, everyone thinks the same way and, you know, same philosophies, but it's actually not the same. So it's always been very... Um, like eye-opening to see, but um, I think the one thread that I have seen had to do, maybe two actually, had to do with Ubuntu, and then the second one had to do with matriarchy. Um, I think prior to my literally like learning that in a very theoretical academic sense in uni, I had never necessarily considered, you know, matriarchy and it being as pervasive as it was historically in Africa, you know. But the more I got to learn, the more my eyes got opened, the more I saw that. And that's when I even 
you know, looked into my family and I realized that, oh, yes, so my grand was the matriarch. And like when you contrast that with um, patriarchy, you see that from my experiences of these two, uh, you could say, constructs <laughs> of communities, I've experienced that within the matriarchal sense, it's been in a sense of life-giving and giving life and not necessarily imposing because I also grew up in a very um big community in a big family I, I didn't grow up in a nuclear home so I grew up in, in a space where I was really surrounded by a lot of people and that also did make me feel safe so it, within that communal space I saw matriarchy I mean this in the sense of <laughs> um, the nuclear family I saw in a sense like patriarchal instances so anyways that was me digressing but um the threads that i've seen that i believe are very commonly african definitely the sense of ubuntu and definitely in the sense of matriarchy even though it's not necessarily too much of that way presently but you still see the residue yeah. of that you do yeah you see it a lot. I mean, people often assume that the cities define the African identity, but there are far more people outside of a city than there are inside. True. You know, do you see your music helping us evolve the strength of what's uniquely African? Like when people write the rhythm, people listen to the lyrics, they engage your music. Do you see that part of what will make you relevant is that people will be able to extract the Africanness in them and translate it to the world? Mm, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I can hope that my honesty about my experiences as, you know, an African woman, a young African woman, a Zulu African woman, I can hope that my authenticity and my being honest about these experiences um, can inspire others to see and feel that maybe they're not alone maybe they don't you know they're not the only one who sees this they're not the only one who experiences this they're not the only one who has these hopes and wants to go further um so i think i'm trying to be as true to myself as possible and translate that in the most honest way and communicate that in the most honest way and i hope that that impacts people to be able to do the same within themselves too. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think the biggest difference between the West and Africa is the West is concerned with I, Africa is concerned with we. And in the we construct, it's more than just one generation. It's ancestral, mm. it's multiple generations. Mm. Bloodlines are important. Mm. And on some level, I think the West is conflicted about the I versus the we, and there's a lot of tension internally, right. inherently, in the Western identity. One of my favorite poems is by a West African. He, he says, all art aspires to the wordlessness. And that I think if people can engage your work and decide to go f away from a Western need for words, and sit with themselves to experience what's uniquely African without needing to 
thwart themselves and that kind of patriarchal instinct. That would be amazing. Mm. Is there any final thing you want to say about what makes you relevant as our last question? I think what makes me relevant is that I'm alive and I take up space and I also have something to say. Mm. And that's something to say I want to share. And I want to connect and I want to tell a story. And I want to tell a story that's honest and that's truthful. And um, it's also a matter of, you know, when you discover something new, something good, something that gives you life, something that's helpful, something that you see has helped you heal. Mm. For me, anyways, I don't know how other people may feel, but I want to share that because it makes me happy. And I'm hoping that I can, with what I share, it can also make people happy. In essence. Well, I know that I'm happy that you're sharing your story, you're sharing your music, and you're sharing this moment with me. Thank you so much for this extraordinary episode. Thank you, Tim. And thank you guys again for listening. Please go back to episode one, share episode one, and of course this episode two. I'm Timothy Maurice. This is Tamar. Until next time.